Welcome to the Rooted Wings podcast. This is the table of the resistance. You are welcome here. Pull up a chair. Today is Wednesday, November 3rd, and yesterday on Tuesday, I had the opportunity to be a part of the San Diego County Board of Supervisors meeting that has kind of become a movement. Um, It's put San Diego on the map in the middle of all of this chaos and has brought some some passionate uh, members of the public um, into the spotlight as we have contended for our rights and freedoms and liberties against a uh, majority tyrannical board. Um, We have three supervisors who consistently vote against the freedoms and liberties of the people, and then two who consistently vote in favor of the freedoms and liberties of the people. And um, so we keep showing up and we keep expecting the vote to go three three to two, but we still keep showing up because it's our civic duty and responsibility to, uh, to not back down and to continue to speak truth into darkness and what is right against what is wrong. And um, so yesterday I had the opportunity to go and be a part of the Tuesday meeting and to speak against um, the, the county was proposing an agenda to require all new hires, <clears throat> new hires by the county of San Diego to, um, to take the COVID injection. And so I showed up with many others to speak against that and to call out the, um, the unethical nature of it, the anti-American nature of mandating a medical intervention on people as a condition of employment. And um, I was joined by a lot of uh, freedom-loving San Diegans. And what I want to share with you are some of the speeches from yesterday. Uh, And I hope, my hope in sharing these is that they will inspire you, that they will call out courage in you. And um, maybe teach you something that you didn't know and maybe help you hold the ground, hold the line uh, in your spheres of influence with more confidence. Um, So with no further ado, here are some of the highlights from yesterday's San Diego County Board of Supervisors meeting. Great. Thank you. Uh, My name is Samuel, and I'm one of the pastors at Awaken Church here in the community. And thank you uh, again for having me out here. And it's it's an honor. Again, I want to honor a couple of the supervisors that have stood up. Joel, I want to honor you as well as Jim. I know there's some things said against you, Jim, but I know you personally. honor you, appreciate you, and thank you for your, your stand for truth on this board and beyond. All right, we got three. Maybe we'll get four more by the end of it. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I want to begin by just encouraging us, you know, so much in a season like this, I go back to our founders. I go back to what they said. Uh, Samuel Adams said this, the liberties of our country, the freedoms of our civil constitutions are worth defending against all hazards. And it is our duty to defend them against all attacks. 
Now, I hate saying this, but some of you in this room have literally become a hazard to the liberty and the freedoms of the people of San Diego. And as somebody who gets the privilege to serve, who gives my life to serve the people, their interests, their future, their families, their careers, their their passions, I, I, I give everything that I am to see them thrive, succeed. And when I see these types of mandates that are coming down, that are forcing people out of jobs, they're forcing people to make decisions that go against their conscience, that go against their best interests, and quite frankly, go against good judgment and science. It becomes something that you're forcing people to literally vacate the system, which I understand will implode it and actually create harm to it. If we want to survive this thing, or if you want to make something better, enhance it, listen to the people. And I encourage you, I invite you, chat with me. Let's work together. Let's find out what the people actually need, because I'm telling you what, I am dealing with them daily, their pain, their hurt, and I'm here to stand up and say, and the mask mandates, and the vaccine mandates. Chairman Chairman Fletcher, uh, supervisors, thank you for having me here. I know a lot of you, uh, we've corresponded via email over Twitter. You may know me as that annoying data guy on KUSI who appears every now and then. My name is Justin Hart. I'm a resident of San Diego. My wife Jenny and I have eight kids between us. I'm a data analyst by trade. I'm not an epidemiologist, I'm not a virologist, but I'm a pretty darn good data guy. And I normally wouldn't insert myself into someone else's domain, but they sure seem to be inserting themselves into my domain, my kids' education, my life, my business, my church. And so I hope that you'll forgive us if we check the math because we've checked the math and a lot of it is wrong. But I wanna shift things because I could probably drop a bunch of points, go viral bashing the county board for extreme actions like closing businesses at the drop of a single positive test or heaven forbid, padlocking my daughter's favorite swing set on the local park for six months so she couldn't play outside. I could point out that really honestly, there are only, there are no solutions to a viral respiratory pathogen. There are only trade-offs. We can only flatten the curve and draw down non-COVID traffic to hospitals, but then you end up misdiagnosing or undiagnosing 50% of cancers last spring. And now we're seeing stage three and four cancers. You can keep kids out of school to hope that you might quell the disease, but the trade-off is nationally we miss 250,000 cases of alleged child abuse because it's typically wide-eyed teachers and administrators who call those out. Those trade-offs are really dreadful. You can also mask up kids and you can see the IQ of pandemic children drop. As my daughter's pre-K teacher said, see if you can teach a kid how to pronounce the letter H through a mask. I could keep dropping these truth bombs, but I won't. Instead, I'm gonna do something that's sort of against the nature of what a lot of people have said here. I'm going to tell you how you can keep your jobs because I think this is important. I think uh, there are things that you can actually do. Here are seven things. One, you've actually done this one already, and I, I truly do want to applaud you, Nathan, applaud you, Nathan, and others for implementing the monoclonal antibody uh, stations around the county. I think that was an excellent move. Uh, Governor DeSantis of Florida beat you by a few weeks, but you wiped away some of the criticism he was faced, and you did it anyways because it was the right thing. We know that monoclonal antibodies, for example, have been tested on humans since the early 80s, whereas the mRNA vaccines have only had their first trial since about 2015 on humans. So those are things that I feel are very confident, people can feel confident towards. 
Number two, here's an incredible idea for you. I mean this sincerely. Why don't you make a blister kit for people once they test positive? We know now that there's a lot of prophylactics, a lot of things that you can do, for example, high doses of vitamin D, of zinc, of NAC, of quercetin, even just an aspirin. We know from recent studies that even things like Pepsid, uh, or even as we've seen in recent studies, uh, antidepressive medication could be succinct to help people stave off those disease. One of the biggest mistakes we made in the pandemic was to make hospitals the end point of care and the beginning point of care. If you got tested, it was go home, and if you feel sick, go to the ER. We've got to do something. I think San Diego can actually lead the county in providing a type of blister kit at the point of positive test where people could actually make a difference in between that time and heaven forbid they get to the ER. Number three, I would encourage the county to avoid business mandates. Todd Gloria tried that out. We saw where that went. Uh, I think there's just no taste in the county for any sort of retail or any sort of vaccine mandates for normal business life, right? Number four, I would encourage you to be honest and actually describe the risk of mortality for COVID-19. The median age of death is about 80 years old for the COVID-19. And we also know that every 20 years underneath that, your risk drops by about a factor of 10. So if you are 60 years old, your, ten, your risk is about 10 times less than an 80 year old. If you are 60, if you're 40 years old, the risk is about 100 times lower than an 80 year old. If you are 20 years old, your risk of dying of COVID and even towards hospitalization death is 1,000 times lower than an 80-year-old. And don't get to our kids because then it gets another factor. We know this risk is very small for them. And so just be honest, no fear mongering, just lay out the facts as they are and know that you know, there isn't a panacea, there are only trade-offs. That's number four, just be honest. Number five, this is a case-demic, that is the cases are a big portion of what's happening there. And so I would encourage you to go to the contractors that you have for the testing regimes and allow them to put forth the, uh, the CT levels, that is the, the, the levels that tell us at what level it found a virus. We know from different reports that about 40, even as high as 90% of all positive tests do not have a live virus in them. That is, if you took it in culturum, you could not find that. That's from multiple studies out there as well. So those changes in case-demic, in, in the cases, the way that we track those things, the way that we allocate, I think would be very positive as well. Number six, if you want to keep your jobs, I would suggest that you, you try to get some more data out of the hospitals. We're getting a lot of very muddy data from there. For example, we have inside documents from one of the large health conglomerates here, which says that uh, they test vaccinated people differently than they taxed unvaccinated people. And I understand this, they, they, if a person comes into an ER and they have an infected toenail uh, and that person is not vaccinated, the rule of law for Scripps is that you test them and you test them for COVID. If they happen to test positive for COVID, they're now a COVID hospitalization. If the same person goes in and they have an infected toenail, same disease, and they're vaccinated, they don't bother to test them. You ought to get those details so we can have a gradation of, uh, and, and you notice how the language changed from vaccinated to not fully vaccinated, so that's important. And lastly, of course, schools and kids. The evidence on masking kids is sparse and unconvincing. And you know, you, you can prove it very quickly. We all know, for example, most scientists agree that cloth masks are unacceptable and really about 90% penetration almost immediately there. And I don't know if you've been around school, but most of them wear cloth masks. So every kid I know that would, would love to be rid of this, I hope we can find ways to do that. But most importantly, we should just consider that how low of a risk they really are. And again, so these are all the seven different things I would consider if you want to keep your jobs. I think there's some really proactive things we can do. And lastly, look, the number one thing you can do to keep your job, please don't padlock my kids' swing set again. Please don't do that. Thank you guys very much. Hi.
My name is Scott Youngblood. I'm a physician and I'm here to defend science and patient autonomy. Next slide. The best way to look at any medical issue is with a randomized controlled trial. A well-performed RCT is more powerful than dozens of observational studies because it has a control group. That's what Pfizer did to evaluate its vaccine uh, in, to get an EUA. It had 44,000 patients, two large groups, essentially equal in all respects except one group gets the vaccine and the other group gets the placebo. Next slide. Everyone has heard that the study showed excellent vaccine efficacy with a lower rate of symptomatic infections over six months. Next slide. It was also great in preventing severe COVID cases. These patients are really sick. You have a high heart rate, respiratory failure, renal, hepatic, neurologic dysfunction, ICU admission, and death. There was only one case of this in the vaccine group and 30 cases in the placebo group. Next slide. But what hasn't been talked about is the increased adverse events for the vaccine. Total adverse events twice as high, related adverse events four times as high, severe adverse events twice as high. Essentially, those are hospitalizations, heart attacks, strokes, myopericarditis, Guillain-Barre, et cetera. All of these differences were highly statistically significant. Next slide. And the endpoint that we should all care about the most, which is all-cause mortality, this is the, the great endpoint because it ends all of this silly arguments about what caused the death. Was it the vaccine, the virus, or something else? You just total up the deaths, and at the end of six months, you look at them. And in this study, 15 patients died in the vaccine group versus 14 in the placebo group. And then the patients were unblinded and allowed to cross over if they had gotten placebo and wanted the vaccine. Five additional patients who got the vaccine died, but none who remained in the placebo group died. This mortality difference is not statistically significant. It doesn't prove anything other than scientifically, one cannot say that this vaccine saves lives. Next slide. And this raises the big question, if the vaccine is so effective against the virus, preventing infections and severe COVID, then why didn't it, didn't it save lives at the height of the pandemic against the Alpha variant? The most likely answer is that the risks of this vaccine essentially canceled out any COVID benefit from the vaccine. Regardless, there was no death benefit. Next slide. And that really is the big problem with this obsessive fixation on COVID infections and death. Is it the vaccinated or the unvaccinated that misses half the problem? The adverse events and deaths from the vaccine. If you survive the vaccine, you will probably be better off when you meet the virus, especially early on, but at what cost? Indeed, the Taiwan Department of Health states right now that slightly more people have died from the COVID vaccines this year than the virus itself. Next slide. The problem is the alpha spike protein, which all the vaccines make. It's a toxin in and of itself. It binds to your ACE2 receptors around your body, which are critical in regulating blood pressure, clotting, immune system. Having spike in your body attacking these receptors is a big problem. Next slide. We've been told not to trust VAERS, but it is the only database available. All the COVID vaccines were also granted EUAs with the requirements removed for ethics boards, data safety monitoring boards, or critical event committees. All of these are customary for anything on an EUA. We are for some reason intentionally flying blind. OSHA just said they are suspending the rule for employers to report adverse events due to mandated COVID vaccines. As an ethical physician, I cannot defend anything on this slide. Next slide. So VAERS is an early warning system, so if a problem is identified, it can be investigated further. It is 31 years old. It is voluntary. There is significant underreporting. Submission of a false report is subject to prosecution, and the CDC validates all these entries. Over 150,000 have been re removed just this year. Next slide. 
there were about 158 deaths on average per year associated with all vaccines. And then something happens in January of 2021. We now have over 17,000 deaths reported just for the COVID vaccines. I would submit to you that as an early warning system, VAERS is working exactly as intended. We are just not listening to it. Next slide. Nearly 40% of these deaths occur within 48 hours of the shot. It is not until day 40 or so that the death rates return to baseline. If there was no relation, you would see that the low baseline on the right of the graph would be all the way over to the left. Something is happening at day zero to cause these deaths, and it's pretty obvious what that is. Next slide. The CDC states that any death within 28 days of a positive test, regardless of cause, counts as a COVID death. You could get run over by a cement truck crossing the street, but if your COVID test three weeks ago was positive, you are counted as a COVID death. On the other hand, anything within 28 days of a vaccine is not related to the vaccine. Imagine the world that we would live in if these assumptions were reversed. This is illogical and indefensible. Next slide. During the Pfizer vaccine brief before the EUA last October, uh, this slide was flashed up for about one second. It lists out all the adverse events that eventually turned up in VAERS months later. Heart attacks, strokes, myocarditis, pericarditis, Guillain-Barre syndrome, blood clots, deaths, and enhanced uh, vaccine disease. Regardless, the FDA granted the EUA without any mention of any of this in the notices to physicians or patients. They knew about it and apparently said nothing. Perhaps the fact checkers can defend this, but I cannot. Next slide. On August 23rd, the FDA sent out two letters. The first approved the Comirnaty vaccine and the second extended the EUA for the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, the same formulation, but legally distinct. To this day, there are no FDA approved COVID vaccines that are actually available in the United States. Comirnaty is not available. So if the FDA approves the vaccine, but it is not actually available to anyone, it begs the question, did the FDA actually approve the vaccine? Next slide. In late July, the CDC stated the viral titers of saliva in the vaccinated are just as high as the unvaccinated. This was the justification to make everything, everyone put their masks back on. The viral levels in your saliva are the measure of how infectious you are. Thus, claims that the unvaccinated are spreading the disease and paradoxically putting the vaccinated at risk are all nonsensical. This fact alone destroys the infectious spread justification for vaccine mandates. Next slide. In the age of Delta, vaccines do not meaningfully reduce transmission or stop infections. They do not reduce overall medical uh, resource utilization as we showed. The uh, best evidence available shows that they do not uh, reduce mortality. And since it uses the alpha spike protein, you will get 100% of the risks, but only 40 to 60% of the benefit in the age of uh, Delta the virus has moved on. The vaccines produce narrow immunity that encourages new variants. Their efficacy wanes after six to eight months. And for COVID survivors, it likely produces no long-term benefit, and they are known to have a two to six times higher rate of adverse events. Likely no benefit, just harm. Having said all of this, they may offer a personal health benefit to these vaccines, but that analysis needs to be individualized. Next slide. The bottom line is, that this issue is really complicated. The decision for COVID vaccination should be left up to the patient in consultation with their doctor. There is no medical or scientific justification for COVID vaccine mandates by a government or employers. Thank you. Rooted Wings on Instagram. Nathan Fletcher, it's really good to see your face and I mean that sincerely. Uh, where do we go from here? 
For over one year, we have talked to you, we have reasoned with you, we have asked you the critical questions, we brought you experts who have challenged the narrative, we have spent hours talking to your foreheads as you've looked down and your empty seats. Where do we go from here? The starting point is the reality that we are your creators. And the creation is never above his creator. We give you your power. We sustain you. And because we are citizen kings and citizen queens in a constitutional republic, we know that we hold the contract power of the consent of the governed. The way home, it's not through our politicians. They aren't coming to save us. It's through burger joints refusing to play police, gym owners unafraid to stand against petty tyrants, pilots raising a storm to cripple an industry, firefighters holding the line without flinching, law enforcement officers defending the Constitution and the protection of the people, parents holding their babies in their arms while fighting drunken school boards, NFL players speaking logic against the narrative, a UFC podcast host asking more critical questions than all of our media combined, pastors preaching and behaving as the righteous resistance, nurses, doctors, and military choosing freedom over coercion. It's ultimately, and this is interesting, it's exactly how our republic was designed to be sustained and kept in balance. We are the creators of our government. We hold the power of our preservation. The way home is of, for, and by the people. Thank you all. Thank you for joining us at the Table of the Resistance on the Rooted Wings podcast.